You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to another Land of Legacy podcast. Guys, this is your host, Matt Dye, and I am pumped for an amazing episode coming to you guys this week here in the Land of Legacy podcast. We've got a special guest. His name is Brady Bradley. Brady, um, years ago, met, and uh, it's funny reminiscing with him here on the podcast about how we met and, and this that transition of getting to, you know, acquaintances to friendship to to working relationships now so uh but but in a nutshell brady's got an amazing story about um a recent hunt that he had in kansas over a bedding thicket uh he has extensive experience running a chainsaw implementing the bedding thickets um, for us for land and legacy on on clients properties across different states and um he he has got some great insight um uh, from the hunt itself and and harvesting a mature deer as well as how to implement these so um i don't want to waste a bunch of time i just want to get right into the meat and potatoes of the podcast so before we jump in though be sure to go to on x download the app if you're not a user if you're not a user, you're missing out if you care about your property, if you care about managing it, and learning about your specific property, making those long-term plans. It's a wonderful app. If you're not already a, a, a user on that app, feel free to use a 20% off discount. Type in land and, that's the and symbol, land and legacy. 20 to get that discount code. We use it literally every day. I'm getting ready to fly tomorrow to South Carolina to work and um, getting everything uploaded, ready for that property, reviewing it on Onyx. It's a wonderful and handy tool. I'll be using it in the field uh, and and then post work too and, and the actual development of the management plan. So um, guys, head over to Onyx. Download the app, become a user, you'll love it, and you will not regret it. Without further ado, let's hear from Mr. Brady. Alrighty, I should have Brady on the line. Brady, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Matt. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. Just just enjoying the beautiful Sunday. Man, it's a it's been a beautiful day at the house and, and pre show you said you guys had some rest with the family and man, I can't can't complain about all that. But you yes. know what else we can, we can celebrate? We can celebrate the fact that that you killed a good deer over a bedding thicket, and that's what we're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yes, man, yeah, it was a, it was an awesome hunt. I, I I can't wait to get into it. But but first, I think I think we need to give people a background though on who Brady is, who Brady Bradley is, um, because. A lot of people um, may not know you're you're not you're not a client, but you're a guy who has implemented work for our clients across the country in multiple states. Brady, I don't even know when the first time we met was. Um, do you recall? 
it's I, I, we we met on several different occasions, and then I don't I remember what the first time was. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, we've we've had so many mutual friends. Yeah, over the past few years, but I want to I want to say the very first time we met may have been down at Arkansas at the Big Buck Classic, maybe back in oh. maybe yeah. eighteen. Yeah, I think you're I think right. When you guys just started, yep. just started expanding mm-hmm. and getting out. There. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. And then from there, it's like, I mean, we just keep bumping into this guy. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Um, yeah, so basically, you know, met there, and then obviously you're a deer hunter, but you you also have a forestry background. At that time, you were working uh, and living down in Arkansas and working for the state. Um, basically working on public lands and, and uh, doing a lot more management of game, um, pub, pub, basically public hunting land um, yeah. all across yeah. the south. So, um, But then you got you and your wife and, and kids made a, um, a shift and decided you wanted to, to be further north in the great state of Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I mean, it was a, it was a tough decision. Right. Real tough decision for us. Well, I say tough. At the same time, it wasn't. You know, we, <laughs> you knew what you always, wanted to do. Yes, we'd always dreamed of it. Never imagined that it, the opportunity would come so so soon in our lives. You know, mm-hmm. we had the decision we thought we may make twenty, thirty years later. Sure. But when the opportunity came up, we jumped on it. You know, the good Lord said, "This is what this is what needs to happen." Everything yep. lined out, and we hadn't back. I mean, obviously. I do miss my job. I tell, I tell, I tell Cage and my wife all the time, man. I would have given anything to have brought that job with me. Sure, but, sure. You know, sometimes God has other plans, and that's it. We can't complain. Nope. Good. Good. Well, I know, I know it's uh, it's been a, it's been a good move for you guys, and um, and it's honestly allowed us to be able to utilize um, you with your talents and your skills uh, elsewhere on on clients' property. So. Obviously, as 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 we're consulting and, and working and laying out plans, there's there's parts of the plan and, and implementing that that we can assist with. And specifically, you've been on several farms and gone in and cut the bedding thickets that we recommended in the consultation for a client. You know, maybe it's a couple months later, a year later, um, and and working to implement some of this this plan that um that we've prescribed and so you have a lot of experience in cutting these things in i don't even know how many acres gosh that you that you've cut in <laughs> specifically but um thousands and thousands of trees i know just on um yes. work for for land legacy but but in addition to that and, and i guess this kind of goes back to explain the whole your name just kept popping up because adam went to work with um, one of your friends, Aaron, who yep. in, in Kansas and worked that farm. And then lo and behold, Aaron's like, oh, I got this guy that, that helps me at the, the, the farm. Whatnot. His name's uh, Brady Bradley. I'm like, what the heck? There's this <laughs> guy again. Brady, what's yep. up? And yep. uh, so basically, long story, y'all were connected there and you've been helping implement um, the plan there on that property too. But the other cool aspect is that you're able to film and hunt with Aaron. Oh yeah. 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 I've been, he's, he's been an awesome friend and I'm extremely blessed to be able to, to share that property with him, you know, share those experiences mm-hmm. with him. And I'm, like I said, just blessed that he allows me to even have the opportunity to step foot on it. Really? Sure. You know? I mean, I'm, it's a, uh, it's a great friendship and I'm, I'm extremely grateful for it. Totally. Totally. Well, you guys are doing some awesome stuff. And if you want to see some of those hunts that Aaron has had on this property and others, um, go to the YouTube page because there are some hunts that dropped in October that showcase, uh, Aaron's success from last year on this property that, um, now you had success this year. So why don't you kind of Pick us up from there uh, about, um, you know, this this hunt, kind of where it started um, and, and the progression of implementing this this one specific bedding thicket that, that you hunted over several um, sits and all the encounters and harvest that you had. Yeah, so it all started 
you know, it all goes back. He, he implemented this specific bedding thicket probably two winters ago, I'd say. Mm-hmm. He started it, you know, kind of out there by himself and probably he did pretty good. I mean, quarter to half an acre in size. And then we expanded on it this previous winter. So it's now it's a little over two years old going into year three Yeah, and just exploded. We expanded it last year, um, took out a lot more trees, TSI'd a lot more trees in the area. And this year we were really able to see, I mean, just, just the draw for the deer in that area. So, so Uh, how, how big is it now? And then what species of trees specifically was like the main component of what it was you guys were cutting? Yeah, I'd I'd say now it's probably, probably close to three quarters of an acre. Mm -hmm. Uh, And most of the trees we were taking out were elm, hackberry, yeah. few ash mixed in, but but predominantly elm and hackberry were the main species. So so probably <clears throat> lower lying creek bottom, bottom land kind of timber. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, it lays right along, well, kind of like a almost a, a peninsula right in a big creek bend. Is Got where it. kind of where we tucked it tucked it back into that bend a little bit mm-hmm. so so basically a natural corridor that deer are gonna be you know whether they're residents or non-resident they're coming through they're gonna be hitting that creek corridor and they're going to naturally uh in- encounter it um it's probably where deer were already choosing to bed um and, and that sign was there in relation to access and food um already existing or what would be planned on the property that's that's generally those those factors that were kind of weighing in on when we're yeah. placing those bedding uh areas so i'm sure adam adam took all that into consideration it sounds like it was oh, uh, yeah. a, a good location because you how, how do you access this um this particular bedding thicket well honestly i mean it's 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 very simple very simple access i mean it's when i was hunting i could throw a rock and hit the road but the way that the way it lays it lays behind a hill uh-huh. And off in the bottom in this creek bottom, so so you can't you can't see any of it from the road. Perfect. So so it's completely secluded. Mm-hmm. Um, they get in there and they feel secluded. They can't you know somebody drives by they can't see them. Sure. Uh, obviously they can hear them, but having that seclusion in there, um, I mean it just it makes it simple access, easy access. You don't have to walk through the middle of your property, staying on the outskirts, and. I mean, you can slip in, slip in any time. Right, right. Perfect. Perfect. And that's, that's key to be able to, you know, get into some areas super clean. You're not interfering with other movement. And, and, um, that's the thing about the rut is, as you know, and I think that you experience too, is, you know, you can be in the heart of activity or you can be in the dead wrong stand location. You could hunt a, a destination food source and it'd be crickets and boring during the rut but once you get into these right locations where the right cover is then it's game on and on fire um so so kind of describe visually um from a cover standpoint what is after two years um so so two growing seasons and then a little bit more expanding so you know a, a mixture of cutting and everything um how how does the area look what does the cover component like well, I mean, compared to the rest of the timber, you know, he's he's done extensive TSI work on the property, so it's starting to take off. But in this mm-hmm. area, there was so much more sunlight hitting the ground, so it just exploded with herbaceous growth on the forest floor. Yep. And, it, you know, it's just, it's thick. I mean, <laughs> that's 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 the best way to put it, I guess, is just you look, you can't hardly see through it. Mm-hmm. Great cover, great browse for the deer, and... You know, they like I said earlier, they can get in there and feel secure. But it's just compared to the rest of the the timber around, it's there's no comparison. Right, right. I mean, it, so many... that's the thing about bottomland is is sometimes it's it's kind of a feast or famine. If you if you open yeah. up the sunlight, uh, open up the canopy and allow the sunlight in, it's full of moisture and gets sun. Yeah. It's going to grow and it's going to explode and fill. Um, exactly. sounds like that's exactly what happened, but, but then it's almost like a, you know, 
a light in the darkness from a from a cover aspect standpoint. It's like, well, yeah. where else would you bet? I mean, everything else yeah. is, you know, closed canopy or 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 relatively closed canopy to this giant opening. I'm going there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so exactly. is it you know five or six foot tall, four foot tall? What what how how would you say that response has looked? I'd say now. I'd, it, it looked a lot taller when when I was pulling the buck out of it. <laughs> but I'd say I'd say now it's probably during the grown season. You're probably looking at four or five foot tall. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. right throughout. You know, just just the explosion of herbaceous growth in there. Perfect. Uh, you know, it's more food than they know what to do with. Yeah, yeah. Food and cover and in a secure yeah. area, they're gonna be there during daylight. So. Yeah. uh why don't you why don't you walk us through the hunt? Um, and and I think you had mentioned something to me pre-show too that you know although you guys had cut some of these areas in, you guys hadn't spent last year really hunting them. So this kind yeah. of was a new experience for hunting these um, these denser these thick areas, the bedding thickets that you guys had had cut in. So kind of talk about that as well in your experience. Yes, I I've been hunting over there for I guess this was probably my third year uh-huh. past two years. I've had some close encounters, but you know, didn't, didn't have any bucks to show for awesome, had some awesome hunts. Sure. But I guess for me, you know, what we had done was we focused on pinch points in or around food plot areas. At, at least that's where I, I focused a lot of my attention. Right. Uh, just because I had such awesome hunts, you know, growing, growing up in the Ozarks of Arkansas, you go out and you see five deer sit. I mean, right? You had a we're talking about. Yep. But we started hunting up here. You know, you may see twenty deer out in the middle of a food plot, and you may see ten different bucks. And I mean, that's awesome. You know, the, <laughs> the right buck could walk out at any time. Right. So I was kind of hooked on that aspect of it. Sure. And this year, Aaron and I kind of talked a little bit. We we'd hunted for four or five days and had some really good sits. Saw some shooters. But it just just wasn't we weren't having the luck over the food plots like like we wanted to. We said, why don't we why don't we get in here, get over these on the downwind side of these bedding thickets and see what happens. And and what time frame um was the did that shift happen for you guys? What what dates were you looking at there? I think I shot him on I think I shot him on about the 14th, 13th or 14th. So we had been hunting the previous week prior to that. So I don't know, anywhere from the 9th through the 14th, 15th time frame. You know, that that lockdown phase is what a lot of people Uh would say. And, you know, sitting around those bedding thickets, it was what lockdown, you know, because (laughs) that's where they were, you know. They, if there was, if they were locked down, they were locked down in them. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so you're, so you're right there with them. You're just, yeah. you're just that doe to bring him by. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. But so we we decided, you know, we said, why don't we, why don't we get in here and sit these bedding thickets? And this this day, uh, I guess I hunted this bedding thicket twice before I finally shot my buck on the second sit. Yep. Uh, but the first sit it was kind of a, an experiment. I went in there, I had my climber. I, I walked in, I, I knew where I wanted to be because where we had placed it and where we said, you know, easy access, perfect pinch point where we assumed that these deer would most likely be using to access and to leave this bed and thicket. Yep. I got quiet one day and, and was able to get up in the tree without anything spooked. Well, I wasn't sitting there 10 minutes and I look up and there's a four and a half year old buck that was Ooh. on our no shoot list, uh-huh. walking, walking through the bed and thicket, walking around the edge of it, you know, just scent checking that bed and thicket. Round I the gave corner. Few, yeah. Yep. I gave a few grunts and bam, here he comes. Oh. Next thing I know, he's standing 15 yards below me trying to figure out where that, you know, where that grunt came from. Man. Well, I'm sitting there videoing him. You know, just just in awe of this, you know, awesome buck. Yeah. I hear some movement behind me, and I look, and there's some does, you know, meandering around the northern end of this bed and thicket, just kind of browsing around. Right. Uh, and then I hear a a pretty deep grunt, and I instantly, you know, 
Oof. instantly heart started beating what you know what was that certainly uh, and finally he made it the you know a good five-year-old eight point came walking through pushing those does and he was one that i was going to try to shoot but i never had an opportunity at him he he didn't he didn't give me that shot that i wanted yep be a great sit the four-year-old and him postured on each other I got to see the five-year-old snort wheeze at him, and then that four-year-old said, well, I think I'm out after that. <laughs> cool. He, he was smart, and he said, all right, I'm gone. And all yeah. that was at 40 yards. You know, I'm sitting – My goodness. Sitting, I'm sitting 30 yards off the edge of this bedding thicket, and all of that took place right in the middle of it. Wow, yeah. Uh, so after after that sit, I, I said to myself, I said, whoa, there's, there's something here. You know, obviously uh-huh. – knew that they were I knew that they were drawn to it but it was a different style of hunting that that I'd never experienced before I'd never done it yeah you get to see different behavior too even even yeah. different doe behavior of, of uh, avoiding some bucks it's not like the field where they just kind of chase each other like sometimes they'll yeah. get in there and they'll just like hunker down and hide and uh, yeah that, that's cool man it's always it's always fun to be able to see deer do different things than what you said yeah. previously yeah for sure you know they just seem more comfortable in there because they they seem they seem safe totally you know totally they're the way they move around and and interact with they're just like you said it's completely different yep uh, it's it's a sight for sure mm-hmm. but so i guess you know i went home that night not upset at all because i just had the hunt of my year you know right. i thought that was i thought that was awesome you know if i didn't shoot a buck so be it yep but i can't I've got to get in there. I've got to get in there um, because there's no telling, you know, what could move through in that area. And, you know, that five-year-old eight, I knew he was in there with that doe and, you know, just praying that he'd still be in there by the time I could get back. So I think I went, it was, you know, this, this first part of November, well, even now the weather's been crazy. I think yeah, it got up yeah. in the 70s or 80s right. the next day right after that hunt or a few days later. And then we had a big front push through later on that week. And I said, I've got to, I've got to get back in that spot. Yep. So I, I go back in, climb up, same exact tree. The same thing happens again. I'm not in 10, 15 minutes. I look up and there's a buck cruising the same exact spot, you know, right on the edge of that bed thicket looking for does. Predictable. Yep. And so I'm watching him, trying to video him. He's just, he's just, making his way through that thicket at this time you know just kind of browsing uh-huh. you know just browsing in there and i look up to my north you know to my right and i i just see a tree shaking and i think oh goodness you know here here we go and um i see a I see a little yearling kind of trot off in the distance this is probably 80 yards from me on the northern end of that thicket and next thing I see are antlers, and I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness, what deer is this?" Yeah, you know. Um, and I, I get to looking through the binoculars. I'm trying to video him, and he looks familiar. Well, it it clicks into my head. Aaron sent me a picture that morning, and he's got he's got amazing neighbors. I mean, they they've got a cooperative, probably a little over a thousand acres, or right at a thousand acres that they, you know, they're very open with each other on the bucks that they have. Um, they try to shoot anything five or older. Um, That's great. And this is a buck that had been on the hit list, but we had not seen on any of the trail cameras all year long. Um, on, on your guys' place, you had had pictures sent, but not on – you guys didn't have them on your own – on this property no, specifically. not on our own property. <laughs> Got it. Until that morning, the, the day that I shot him, Aaron sent me a picture of him, and he was – he was nowhere near this this bedding thicket. Oh, wow. Um where near, probably over three quarters of a mile away. Wow. And so he was the last deer I expected to see. You know, totally. Aaron sent a picture and I said, Oh, that's you know, that's a that's awesome. I'm glad to see he's still alive. You know, maybe maybe somebody will get a shot at him. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, he's the third deer that I see <laughs> yeah. three quarters of a mile away that afternoon. Uh. You know, it happened just like just like you dream of i'm sitting there watching him he's making rubs making scrapes and while i hear something off off out in the bedding thicket and there's a little there's a little two three-year-old buck out there chasing a mature doe out there in the bedding thicket and as soon as he as soon as he let out that grunt 
that first grunt that the buck that I eventually harvested and he said no you know uh-huh. he he heard that and he he picked his head up and he instantly took off right right towards us right and you know where he was coming in where we put the bed and thicket where our stand location was it was set up for that moment i mean there was a perfect pinch between the creek and that bed and thicket where he would have to walk yes uh, yes he came in 20 23 yards and gave me a perfect shot broadside and the rest is history he he ran off in the bed and thicket laid down and never left mm. Mm. i love it i mean that's that and that's a that's a deer who sure at, at some point maybe he 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 was uh he's visited this portion of yeah. the property before knew the thicket was there but maybe not and and it doesn't matter because at the end of the day that's why location of these bedding thickets on corridors, on heavily traveled areas where you can accentuate pinch points and accentuate the fact that, hey, deer are naturally traveling here. They may not be a resident, but they know to travel here because of this creek corridor system uh, that exactly. runs through the property. And, and now you find yourself looking at a, a deer that you don't really know that much about, but here he is presenting an opportunity. And I think you laid it out. And, and said some really important things there in, in your descriptions. Like we implemented that bedding thicket and placed that stand there for that moment. And and that's what, yeah. it, I mean, yeah, I, that's a hundred percent right. I mean, you, you, you draw up these hunts and these scenarios in your head based on, you know, the timing of the year, based on what, what deer behavior you can expect to see in a certain location due to the habitat that's present you're not going to see a deer let's say um eating turnips in the middle of a bedding thicket because that's not what's there so so you know what is there determines the behavior and the opportunities that you're going to have and specifically that stand was placed there because of the access because of the to travel corridors and then it being an elm rich environment it had plenty of woody brows coming back i'm sure brambles yeah. probably cool season rise and 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 yeah. uh, uh river oats um, all sorts of things growing in there for for improved bedding cover and here you are sitting here like this is this is full circle right here right now full uh, draw <laughs> if if it could have been laid out any other way i wouldn't have believed it i mean it was yeah. just it was just, just like you said, completely full circle, and and it's one of those aha moments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know this. I see it now. Yeah. You know, not that you know. I just, I'd never, I'd always implemented it, but never, never took the chance, right, to actually go sit on it. And then when I did, I think, man, where did I go wrong the past, you know, two, three years? Why did, <laughs> why was I not, why was I not doing this before? Yeah. Oh, well, and um, and it's like. Okay, um, next year, got it. Yeah, I, I know where yep. I'll be at in November. I mean, because because that's the beauty of this thing is this isn't a a one time occurrence. I mean, you hunted this thing no. twice and you saw three deer over four and a half years old. I mean, that's wonderful. Yeah. And and yeah. um, that th- that's again the the beauty of it is that these deer that that we love to chase do the exact same thing every single year. They always yeah. push those into dense cover, and if you yep. hunt that, or and well, first off, if you create it and then you hunt it, you know where that activity is going to take place at. And so, exactly. man, that it's—I don't think that people, you know, listening um, necessarily doubt the power of these, but it's one of those things that until you can experience yep. a, a hunt just like you have, like like you did this year you don't have that light bulb moment go off because it hasn't like, it almost takes a little bit of experiencing of cutting experiencing of, you know, planning experiencing of watching the deer behavior and then actually arrowing a target deer. Um, it's like that. Oh gosh, I get it. I get it. I, you know, it's kind of like no turning back now, but you knew initially though, too, that you, this could all happen and take place. But then when it does, it's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Real. You're you're exactly right. I I think maybe it was the next day or, or it may have been that evening. 
I think I told Aaron, you know, once we were talking about the hunt and I was kind of telling him about it, I said, I said, I'm ready. I'm ready to get the chainsaw back out. Uh-huh. I'm ready. I'm ready to get back to work. I said, this is, that was amazing. You yeah. know, what ha- happened, you know, it's one of those, you, you you want it to happen like this, but you don't expect it to, Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, that- you're like, oh, goodness gracious, you know. That's hunting um, in a nutshell, man. We can dream up the perfect yeah. scenarios, but do they hardly ever happen? No. Yeah. But yeah. when you have the right stuff, it does happen. And that's the cool yeah. part. And and that's the fun part for, for Adam and I and Kyle and Frank and, and you. When we're out on these properties, this is where our brains work. And we're like, no, yeah. I, I see it for what it's going to be in five years. And I know what's going to happen throughout that course of time and, and the experience that you as a landowner are going to be able to have here. That's why I'm jacked up about this site yeah. or this location. Cause it's like, it's about to get good. It's about yes. to get really good. Yeah. And there's a couple of places in Iowa that, um, you and I've worked and, and been on and, um, you've cut some of those areas in and we're both just standing there. Like, this is the tree. Like, yeah, this right is the tree where a a big deer. I don't know if it's going to be this year, um, but but in the years to come, a big deer will be killed right here, and it just laid out before you and in front of you, and it's just a magical thing. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you, man. So just, so that's a that's a awesome awesome story of it, it all coming together, and, and again, just what you were able to experience and see in in a matter of two hunts. But I think yeah. it would be um bad of us to to just highlight the fact that hey guys this is an awesome hunt this is um you know what we dream about what we talk about but what we want to do is give some like action items some some uh if this does encourage you to go forth and and replicate a bedding thicket young forest regeneration in an area how do you do that because again you've got plenty of experience doing it now um and so so I want to take you know the rest of the time here, another 10, 15 minutes, and and say from the point of, okay, for all those listening, let's say we've all got this one area in mind that we know is where where we want deer to be bedding. This is where we would place a bedding thicket, hands down. So we we have a location identified. Brady, what what would be your next steps once you have that location? Kind of walk us through how you would then begin to actually implement. Um, you know, we could talk about felling, we could talk about girdling, we could talk about hinging, the combination of all of that. We can talk about, yeah. you know, laying it out, flagging it out, all that. But but once you've got that area identified on a map, and and now you've, you're standing there, or you've got a chainsaw in your right hand, you got fuel and uh, bar oil and water, and maybe an extra chain in your other hand. You're there. What do yeah. you, what do you do next? Well, f- for me, it, I, I like having a visual. So, yeah, you know, for, for me, I use Onyx, map that area, just like you said, got it mapped. And I usually go around it, flag it, you know, right. that, that way, I know, that way I know my area. Right. Um, and well, and that helps know, too, if, especially if you're, if you have multiple people cutting, or, yeah. or if you're not going to get it all done, or maybe you'll work for a Saturday and then the next Saturday or something, your buddy comes exactly. out, he knows the boundary. He oh, knows exactly. where you've been, how yeah. far you need to go, all that jazz. Clearly yeah. mark it. Yes, clearly, clearly. And, you know, um, you know, a lot of the ones that we did in Iowa were on, were on slopes. You know, yes. not a significant slope, but a small slope. Yep. So I typically start at the bottom of that slope. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a lot easier to walk through and I take down everything that's in the mid story, everything that I can take out and push it over. Yes. Uh, so, so, so a four, four inch DBH and less something yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Um, that way, that way, whenever you start f- felling the bigger trees, they're not getting caught up on everything. You know, we talked about, it, it's almost like a puzzle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, just trying to figure out, well, if I take that tree, I can knock three more over on top of it or next to it. It's not, they're not going to get hung up. Right, right. It's like like a domino effect. It's like, okay, once I, once I start there and, and, and some of this is you, you've got to cut and then you've got to step back 
And then you had to go around to the back side of the cut, cut two other trees there first, and then come back around to where you originally started. And, and then yeah. you can cut four more, and now you've got a big old opening started and create. But you can't just start on one side and say, I'm only working you know, from here to that point. It's yeah. you, you got to really, I don't know, take the pieces of the puzzle out in a in a strategic way to one safely do it but then two to sure. to not get you know half the trees hung up a, you know, a, 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 on one another um you yeah. got to be able to kind of directionally fell some trees um but most times though too if it is a little bit of a slope they've got enough lean to them they've got enough yeah. you know um movement that you're like okay well this tree's it, it's going there it, you know if yep. you can kind of get it within you know a 30 degree spot of okay it's going to fall there at that point yep. who cares yeah exactly yeah exactly and that was that was one thing you know most of these areas you know i, I know a lot of people especially me i think about i think about shed hunting a lot just because that's what my wife and i are avid shed hunters yeah uh, you want to go back to these areas during the winter time because odds are you're going to be finding some sheds and thickets. So or the day you want, after you cut, didn't you do? Or the day after you didn't you do that? that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that did happen to me up in Iowa. I, I came back to that cut just to just to look at it the next day, and I found a shed laying right there in the middle of it that I know was not there the day before because I would have found it. I mean, it was right next to a tree that I'd cut. It had blood on the base, and you could see where he had he had been eating on. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember the tree an elm yeah, or something yeah. on the buds of that tree. And it just fell right there. Yeah. But, you know, going back to that safety aspect of it, getting those trees on the ground, because come winter, you don't want to be tra- tromping around in there and That's you right. know, having a bunch, having a bunch of trees hanging above your head. That's exactly right. Yep. So, I mean, for me, it seemed like I spent the majority of my time looking up, uh-huh. trying to figure what tree to take out? How am I going to knock it down safely? Yep. Yeah. Um, and and and, that... and let's talk a little bit about, um, let's say a, a ratio um, of felling to hinging. Yeah. And, and I know I open up a, a can of worms. And guys, there's probably ten podcasts that we've done about you know yeah. cutting, felling, hinging. You know the value of all of them. But let's review it and recap it from an from a implementation standpoint. And, and every one is different. Every cut is different because you might have, yeah. you know, a 20-year-old a, a, a forest and everything's small and you can get really creative with the trees that you have. But let's say yes. you go into another area and you've got um, some some larger trees that uh, are, are of very little value that a logger's not going to come in and do this. Yeah. So you got to be more diligent about what you're doing with those large trees, you you don't have that flexibility um, like you do with smaller trees. So I know it's it's a every situation, every cut is different, but we don't want everything laying dead flat on the ground because yeah. at the end of the day, you you want differences and diversity of structure yeah, within the unit. Um, yeah. Some of it you want some horizontal, some of it you want vertical. So, so kind of walk us through. You know, let's say um, what percentage of of hinging. What kind of trees are you focusing on when you do decide to hinge, um, and height of that hinge. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, most of. I mean, like you, you hit it. You hit it exactly. You know, they're all different. There's some cuts I'll go through, and I think, man, I didn't. I didn't hinge anything in there, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. or vice, vice versa. But I like to, you know, those smaller diameter trees below four inches. Um, if I'm, if I'm hinging them low, low to the ground, knee height, maybe. Um, and, you know, obviously not a hundred percent of them. Right. Maybe, maybe what? 30% maybe. Yeah. And, and sometimes when you go, when you go farther North, um, yeah. you know, factoring it, like I'm talking North, like Minnesota, Wisconsin, yes. upper PA, Pennsylvania, you, you kind of got to factor in some snow depth. So maybe you bring that hinge yeah. cup up, hinge cut up, up to yeah. hip high, um, yep. and, and your growth rates of, of woody brows is 
slower because one deer are probably going to hammer them. The winters are longer, yeah. but then your growing seasons are shorter. So you can factor exactly. all that stuff in. But but I, I'm going to 100% agree. You know, 30% plus or minus um, in yep. most cuts. You know, we're we're talking about hinging, and I I. I just don't think there's any need for hinging anything bigger than, you know, six inches, DBH, yeah. eight inch tops, depending on the species. There's some species I wouldn't dare do it, but yeah. um, depending on that species. And, and you know, at the end of the day, then you've got a lot of bigger bigger trees flat on the ground, but then you've got this exactly. mixture of the, the smaller hinges that you can really be controlled with. Um, oh, yeah. You, you know, tell them exactly where to go. For sure, yeah, they're 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 a lot easier to handle than than a twelve inch tree. You know, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, four six four six diameters. You know, they're they're a whole lot easier to handle, a lot safer. And like you said, you get that added diversity throughout that throughout that cut. Mm-hmm. Lay the bigger, you have the smaller ones. Yeah, I I completely agree, hundred percent. And and I think that you know, two years down the road as well now you've got that same kind of diversity that you started with or i guess when you finish the cut you still have that represented just in another stage um yeah and that's that's super valuable too because now you're getting a little bit more um some areas are a little bit more shaded than others as as some of these stump sprouts are getting above Mm -hmm. the um the reach of deer and starting to shade out some areas which that's you know we're not talking about shade as in bad here we're talking about um as in, as in good and regulating yeah. some some yeah. uh, um, more useful time during maybe earlier season than what you would consider. But again, at the when after leaf drop, it's wide open. It's getting full sun, so it's so it's perfect yeah. kind of combination. Yes, yes. Um, what what has been your favorite trees to get in and cut from a um, regen standpoint? You know, going back and monitoring some of these areas after you've cut them what trees are like, man, deer just hammer these, these species. Like they're just all over them. Yeah. I think, well, I think an elm, you know, mm-hmm. elm is one that I just, it seems like when you knock it down, they come running. <laughs> right. Right. Like <laughs> they, that's elm I, sawdust. I smell. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, hackberry. I've, mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot of, a lot of browse on hackberry. Yeah. Uh, and and oak obviously mm-hmm. um but i mean one that one that mostly comes to mind is i mean they just love elm it's i mean some, even even before i started implementing these mm-hmm. bedding things where looking walking through timber harvest at my previous job every time you came across an elk or an elm sprout yeah it just like it somebody had taken a weed eater right to the top of it and just knocked the top of it off that's right yep just at, them. Elm and uh, red maple, black gum. Some yeah, red love red maple. Yeah, flowering dogwood. There, those are some some top ones yes. that they're just oh, they'll yep. they'll absolutely hammer. But um, any other any other pointers that you want to give someone? Oh, well, before I turn it back over to you, because I know you probably got one, I'm going to suggest one that I see people do a lot. And and maybe it's some that that don't have a lot of experience in felling trees, but something to consider. I think when when maybe inexperienced people running a chainsaw, they feel as if the faster they move through a tree, the faster that they can get away from that tree that's then falling. Um, and and I want to suggest that maybe that's not the best approach because I see people run a chainsaw and just you know, bury it into that tree and just try and move yeah. through that tree and just rip it. Um, yeah. I like to take the the other approach because one, if I've gone up to a tree, I, I determine, okay, it's going that way or I need to make it go that way. So I'll yeah. cut a wedge or I'll cut a face cut in it. Um, yeah. And, or, or if it's, if I don't need to, then I'll just go ahead and cut from the backside, the backstrap and just, you know, move right through it. But I don't move through it at a pace that I cut through the tree so fast that the tree hasn't really begun to fall yet. And, and so yeah. I will cut, maybe maybe I face cut a tree um, and I'll come on the backside, cut it, and I'll get half to three quarters of the way through and I'll start 
almost letting that chainsaw kind of turn back to an idol, just lay off mm. the gas and let that tree start to move and already basically commit to the direction that it's going. Yeah. And yeah. then I'll finish the cut and walk like, you know, it, let's say I got a, I got an inch left of the, the middle part of that tree in my cut. I'll, I'll, I'll finish that off quick after it's already going and kind of committed. What I see people yeah. do is the, the opposite. They'll, they'll just blaze through that tree and it has, that tree hasn't really made up its mind yet where it's going. And now you've got a tree that's not connected at all to the base. And so it's, it's really just a, anyone's guess of which direction yeah. it's going. And so yeah. use, use the meat of the tree the interior of the tree to help guide that tree to the ground. And so it's way more controlled opposed to running that saw through it fast. And then it being like, well, wait, wait a second, which, which direction should I run to get out of the way? Yeah. What's going on now? You're a hundred percent correct. And what I've got to where I do now is just, I mean, if it's a, if it's a fairly large tree, I mean, I'm, when I say fairly large, I mean, 13 14 inches and above i'll just go ahead and wedge that tree almost every time i mean uh-huh. unless unless it's you know well I, I i say that i mean i i i i wedge them almost every time now just because it's it's a lot safer you have a lot less chance of that tree coming back on you you have a lot less right. chance of splintering yep. and breaking halfway up the tree yes that's uh, another big one i see people just not do is is do that face cut whether it's a wedge or just a face cut yeah. and yeah, you just exactly. come in from the back side and it, that thing just splinters and shatters or has that risk especially oaks hickories those very dense oh, fibrous yeah. trees it's like golly don't knock your own head off just to yeah. <laughs> create some bedding cover guys <laughs> they, be smart be safe yes for sure um you know, one thing, one, one thing that I was really having to watch up in Iowa was the wind was, mm-hmm. I think every time I went up there, the wind was just kicking like crazy. So I had it to, was. I was extremely cautious going in there and using that wind every chance that I, that I, that I had. And, you know, sometimes, right. sometimes if you have the ability, maybe, maybe pick another day because right. I mean, you know, it, it, it that wind could that wind could do you wrong real quick. It, it throws other a lot of other variables into yeah. the equation. And it when you're cutting in the winter when there's no leaves on the trees, oh yeah. It's not as bad as it yeah. is in the spring and summer, but it still has a a, a big control over which way that uh, tree is going to go. Maybe you thought it was going to go this way, but then potentially the other way, but then the wind throws and you're like, "Whoa, holy cow. Oh. I didn't think that one." But yeah. um, and 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 here's the other thing too that we that we didn't talk about, but is definitely applicable, um, here in this situation is if you get to a tree that you don't want to fell, you can kill that tree standing, and oh, yeah. and it, and it dies, and now you still have the sunlight. Or you get to a tree and you're like, man, if I drop this tree, it's gonna be so cluttered. I'm gonna inhibit the actual movement of deer through this unit. Yes. Why don't you double girdle it? And or herbicide it, hack and squirt it, kill that tree standing, and walk yep. away from it. Don't don't put yourself either at risk of of injury. Um, be smart about it and say, you know, I'm not comfortable yeah. felling it because I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Man, kill it standing and and walk away. And know that the same the same job is essentially going to be done. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe maybe you don't have as much cover on the ground. Um, yeah. But at the same time, that gives more response for the herbaceous growth and vegetation to come in in that area even more so. No, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, there's there's a few, I mean, and just about every cut that I do that I, I just kind of sit back and look at it and I think, man, I just, I don't feel comfortable yep. cutting that tree. I mean, it, it, it's rotten or something, you know, the sure. inside, you know, and. And those, just like you said, girdle, double girdle it, come back and spray it if you have to. But yep. yeah, if you're if you're cautious about it, don't do it. Uh, you know, bingo. Just, just just be safe. Be safe because I mean, you know, you you're out there some cutting alone a lot of the times, and yeah, the last thing you want to happen is something that that you could have prevented. Um, so yeah, I mean, just 
if your gut's telling you not to do it, rethink it. <laughs> oh, that's Just, right. That's right. Here you go. Yep. Um, so really appreciate your time. I think all that was really valuable for, for folks to be able to, to see and hear success that comes from going forward with a plan, executing it, allowing that vegetation response, watching the deer move in, utilize it the way it was designed, being effective in a harvest, and then the extra bonus of uh, pro tips of how to actually implement this yourself. So, Ray, yeah. you, you knocked it out of the park, man. Well, I appreciate that, Matt. It's always, it's always easy talking about it with y'all. <laughs> well, we're... we're uh, we're lighthearted and, and enjoy talking about deer and habitat, so it's always fun and easy, and we absolutely enjoy it. So, man, I, I don't want to take any more time. I know you got family, kids, and um, and hopefully maybe some more hunting or filming habitat work to do too. So um, thank you for your time, and uh, tell everyone we said hey. I will do. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Well, I didn't lie to you. I told you it was going to be a great episode. Uh, what a fantastic discussion and kind of that, that full circle moments for Brady in working in improved habitat and working in uh, working to improve the habitat, but then hunting it and having these experience of watching deer behavior. Uh, and he's a very experienced deer hunter, knows deer, deer biology and behavior. Um, but to be able to witness something that he hasn't seen in the deer woods and uh, for it to be, you know, impactful enough that during November we won't be hunting any other way. That's pretty. That's pretty powerful. Um, so, guys, I hope it was uh, beneficial for you. Hope if hopefully you can take some of those pointers uh, of how to be able to replicate his success on your property. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening. There's more hunts dropping on YouTube, so be sure to go and subscribe there. Um, check out those hunts from this fall. They're dropping weekly, and if you guys need help on your property, be sure to send in a message, info at Land and Legacy. We would be helpful. We would be uh, honored to be able to help you guys out on your property, and um, you know every opportunity we're, we're thrilled to work with folks from anywhere in the country. Um, the the schedule is is jam packed for this year, um, but we're still taking half dates. Um, but we're going all over the place. So if you're in the South, we're coming to you. If you're in the North, we're going to be there. If you're in the West, if you're anywhere, we're probably going to be there. Um, and, and we'd love to visit with you while we're in town. So please reach out. Let us know if you guys have any questions. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for tuning in this week. We'll catch you here yep. next week.